Welcome to Tipping Points, the podcast that reveals moments in people's lives that change everything. My name is Luke Edelston, and each week I interview fascinating people with extraordinary stories to find their tipping points. Today I'm talking to Adam Broomfield Strawn. Adam is owner and founder of Absolution Coaching and is an NLP practitioner, model, stand up comedian, and professional actor. He's won Toastmasters Humorous Speech Competition for the UK and Ireland and has performed free Edinburgh Fringe shows. Adam is a passionate vegan, runner, and probably most importantly, a father of two children. He has described himself to me as a budget Russell brand, which he probably regrets now. <laughs> uh, and that's because he's got tattoos. He's, he's very funny, uh, but he's slightly less famous. So welcome to the show. Glad to be here. What an intro. My head is, <laughs> I'm just going to try and balance my head slightly. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I wanted to make myself laugh as well, because, yeah. you know, it breaks the ice a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to take that audio clip and just put that on any dating profile I have, because that just made me sound so good. <laughs> well, to be fair, you wrote most of that online, so <laughs> I can't take too much credit. That, that, yeah, that is true. <laughs> Well, uh, we've had a bit of a chat beforehand, and obviously we've uh, met only virtually so far. We need, we need to change that at some point, yeah, actually. That is um, true. <laughs> and uh, you've you've got a very interesting story, life, and uh, you're a very interesting character as well. So definitely looking forward to a conversation today. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. We, do, we definitely need to uh, do it in real life over a couple of beers as well. But uh, for now, virtually. We yeah, do. absolutely. And uh, I wanted to sort of jump into one of your fun stories, which is probably like your leading one on Absolution Coaching website you've got, mm -hmm. uh, which is about, you know, your corporate job and uh, how you quit, basically. Yeah. Um, but maybe I want to rewind slightly backwards from that point, because that is clearly, you know, a tipping point. And, and there you go. I've dropped it. Mm. Sorry. I dropped the bomb immediately. But you dropped the T-bomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you mentioned you were in sales, uh, so you were in sales for quite a few years. And I was kind of wondering how you initially got into that, because I think for a lot of people, uh, their early career and thing is, isn't always a big conscious choice. It's quite often mm. just something you fall into. So I'm just kind of wondering how you got into sales. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I did kind of fall into it. Before sales, I'd been working in engineering for about 10 years not on a super high professional level but i done some programming and cnc and stuff and gradually i was getting more and more frustrated with working silly shifts one week you're working mornings the next it's late and there was no space for progression and at that stage i had already started to go to toastmasters with the idea of being a manager of some sort and and a friend of mine a new friend of mine worked for Phones For You and I met him and his friends and the way they were talking about work and stuff that I was seeing, I was like, well, that looks like a much better environment than I'm in now, a much cleaner environment, better money, better hours. And I quite fancy going from a boiler suit to a suit suit. So I just said it was literally one of those things. It was a friend of a friend. It was somebody you know. And I said, look, I'm, I want to get out of the factory. You know, I'm good at 
talking with people do you think you know is there, is there any jobs going and it was literally a case of i went and had an interview and it was like yeah okay well we do all the training you can you can clearly talk to people and it went it went from there so yeah out of the factory into ah. the uh into the phones so you were engineering in a in a factory yeah that's i didn't even know that part actually that's interesting so how did you end up in the factory as well the factory was literally i left school didn't know what i wanted to do bounced around on agencies doing odd jobs and then a local factory was hiring and that was uh kenwoods who make the the blenders and the mixers and just trainee machinists and i literally just went and applied got the job and that was it and then i went from i went from there to somewhere up the road that dealt with uh hydraulic valves for jcbs and things like that so again it was literally just i need a job and there was a job and i just did that for 12 years <laughs> you know just yeah yeah that's, that's a decent amount of time isn't it yeah but again not a conscious decision i didn't decide at school i want to be an engineer um I left school with no idea what I wanted to do because I I always found it absolutely bizarre that we ask children what they want to be when they grow up or what they want to do when they leave school. And we expect them to know what is the best job for them when they haven't done anything. And that, that that's to me, that's a major issue. That's one of the things that I want to be working on. You're working with children at some at some point with their careers because that is one of the areas that i focus on with adults but with children it's much more necessary i had no idea what i wanted to do because i hadn't done anything but had somebody looked into my personality what i like what fuels me what fires me up what passions i have what's important to me the work environment the people that i'm with that sort of thing that would have massively changed instead i drifted into the factory drifted into phones and then drifted into but none of that was a conscious this is what i want to do until the later stages obviously yeah well i think that's true about it being probably even more important about talking to kids about this sort mm. of stuff because in a way once you've become an adult and started down a path it can be really difficult to change yeah and that's part of it because you've got all these different commitments and yeah. you've probably worked your way up some sort of ladder, uh, assuming there is one. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you've got comfortable with your friends, you've started to settle down, you've got a girlfriend in the area, maybe mm -hmm. bought a house, and they all sort of, I don't want to say that those things are bad, but you know they can lock you into an area as well. And then, yeah. then you go, oh, well, then I'd have to start this, I'd have to take a pay cut, I'd have to have a lower quality of life potentially. Yeah. And then you have, you have all this conversation and, I'm speaking from some experience myself as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's... absolutely. I mean, the traps, uh, we get we, we, we get trapped by a, it's, it's a societal trap that you, by a certain age, you get a mortgage, you get a house, you get married, you get a car, you get a wife, two kids, two dogs, and all this kind of thing. And and very often, I mean, I know that it's it's statistics say that it's something ridiculous, like 75% of people are not doing the job that they wanted to do when they were at school or, or 75 percent of people do not enjoy their job they literally do it because they have all of those things and i was very fortunate with my tipping point that i had the opportunity to 
changed that largely down to to her credit my ex-wife but it was still you know if you do change that if you do decide at some point i'm going to quit doing this the response from people in general is very negative because everyone thinks you're crazy and to a certain extent you have to be but crazy passionate genius call it what you will <laughs> or go genius it's, yeah, it's there's much a fine line between way. very fine line between madness and genius so hey why not just put yourself over that line a little bit and call yourself a mad genius yeah give yourself a nice label right yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was quite lucky i had a bit of a quarter life crisis and decided to go traveling and stuff because i didn't know what to do mm-hmm. but i didn't want to get another job because i was aware that that I was probably quite depressed at that point and was just going into... Sometimes I woke up and just couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. It was just that lack of energy and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it took me months to make that decision as well because, you know, you're stuck in that thing. And I sort of had enough money to potentially put a deposit down on a house and things. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, do I get a deposit on a house? Uh, sorry, do I get a house? Or do I do something else? Yeah. And it wasn't that easy a decision actually because you think that that extra thing might make you a bit happier or something but i think the the purpose and your life uh your your job is so much of your life isn't it so if you're not enjoying that it's inevitably going to bleed in yeah exactly and and it's just if you end up doing a job that you love you never work a day in your life because it's just and some people do have that where they just go and they do their job and they absolutely love it. I still get it now, even when I'm on the way to um, a casting, especially when I'm on the way to a casting or even on the way back when I don't know if I've got the job. And in the, in the acting industry, I mean, more so now with the pandemic having decimated the industry, it was difficult before the pandemic. But a friend of mine recently said for every single job, every single casting that goes out, you can get up to like 10,000 people applying for one job. The chances of you getting a job before the pandemic were very slim. So, you know, I, I find myself on the tube or driving to a casting and just remembering those times. I remember a very specific time that always comes back to me. I'd come out of a salon when I was in hair care. I'd come out of a salon in the new forest, got in the company car, and sat there for a good five minutes crying because I was so absolutely just done with that, you know, and just all I wanted was to be out of that, uh, out of that environment, just completely out of it. And then I'll be on the tube or driving to a casting. And I remember that time. And then I think, well, I'm, I'm in London now. And I'm going to cast. If you get a casting, that's as, that's almost as good as getting a job. Because if you're in the room, that's somebody saying, we think you are good enough. And if they say no and you don't get the job, it's very likely nothing to do with you. It will be the person who got the job had a freckle that the casting director imagined in his mind or different eye colour. It, it will be something ridiculous that you can do nothing about. Nothing. It's, it's, it's almost certainly never the acting or what you've done. And I just remember, I just go, do you know what? I'm getting a casting. I'm in London. I'm just all of the changes. But that moment of sitting in the new forest, and I I know the exact street, the exact salon, the exact car. I could probably tell you what bloody suit I was wearing as well. 
that that moment comes back to me every now and again especially when i am depressed and you know i'm a little bit down because i'm not getting jobs or whatever and that's that's my little mental reminder you've come a hell of a long way what was going through your head like when when you were i mean sometimes you can just cry and not have any thoughts in your head but i find that most of the time it's there's some thoughts going on like what was yeah, going through your head yeah, yeah. um with that it was literally i just think it was a period where I've been covering the area for so long. Every single salon knew me. Every single salon had met me on a monthly basis. I dropped in a flyer, I'd whatever, some promotion. And it got to the stage where I was like, there's nothing more I can do with these people on this area. The salon that I just left didn't want to order anything. They didn't order much from us because we weren't their main supplier. Um, and it, it it was just like I'm just I'm just being rejected day after day after day. I was working outside of my hours, like working on uh, I produced a monthly newsletter with business articles and advice and things like that. I was writing my own blog online that people from America and Africa were were contacting me about and saying, I loved your article about retailing. I'd uh, an email from the people at ikea because i'd done an article about how salons can utilize the way that ikea lay their stores out. i was doing all of this stuff outside so i just had a blog called uh, salon serious you can still find it um and i was doing all of this stuff for customers and potential customers and i was like i cannot do anymore i was physically and mentally drained it got to the stage where i was like i cannot do any more in this business and what I was getting paid and what the company were giving me and support and everything was just, it was, it wasn't enough. And I think that was one of the main points where I just went, I don't know if that was before or after. I think that was before my, I had a, a, a mental break breakdown through stress. And I think that was shortly before that. So that was, that was a tipping point as well. Definitely. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. And uh, it sounds like it was a element of exasperation as well. It's just like, I can't do anymore. Oh, just You get to a point where you just go, I can't do this anymore, which can, which, which can serve you. That, that, can, that, that can definitely serve you. People, these points in your life where you get to, where you have, you've hit rock bottom, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. This is something that I've learned over the years. You have to hit rock bottom before you can go up because when you're at rock bottom the only way is up and and and, and it's when you realize i've had enough because as, as people we tolerate so much we tolerate so much the wrong people the wrong jobs uh, you know just we tolerate so much because we want to be good people and help and do all that we can but it does get to a certain point where you just go enough. And then you, I don't know, something clicks and you just go, oh, fuck me. And you you get that, sorry, but you get that fire in your belly. Oh, you can swear as much as you want. Okay. But you you get that fire in your belly. You just go, I've had enough. I've had enough. And people do it when they're losing weight. But you you need to get to that point of rock bottom of had enough to then turn it around 
And for some people, it's very quick. For some people, it takes a long time. But it, I mean, if you're going through hell, you know, Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep, you know, just keep going. Because you will get to that point where it turns around. You'll hit a wall and go, oh, fuck me, I've had enough of this. And then it's... Yeah. Uh, I've definitely had some rock bottoms and you look back and you sort of, you're most grateful for them afterwards, but you're clearly not grateful for them at the time. Oh. And uh, when you're in that state, it's, it's very difficult to do lots of things because if you're depressed or really unhappy then you're probably be lashing out with people that you're closest to um and have little energy to do extra things so it feels like you're going backwards even in in those moments as well which is really difficult yeah um yeah i I share your sentiment about you know (laughs) anyone who's going through that i think that's you know go through it but that's that's a clear sign it's it's a very very valid point you make about lash lashing out at, at the people that you love because i think that's that's something that i didn't realize and my ex-wife bless her was so tolerant honestly she's an absolute saint for putting up with me how she didn't kick me out i do not know honestly because i was i was angry and uh uh, uh very sort of stabby constantly having digs because i was frustrated frustrated about work but that frustration then carries on and i would i would shout at my children that just i i think back at now how i used to shout at my son over things that children just do one minute he wants to ride his bike then he wants me to carry it and i remember one stage i launched his bike into a hedge because i was so pissed off i was just like fuck me because it was it was another thing that i had to do for someone else and, and but you do you lash out to the people that you love and i think that's a very key point if you you know if you get to a stage in your life where you are lashing out and you are angry you you have to stop and go what is this really about is this really about my child breaking a plate is this really about my wife you know, leaving the hoover out for me to trip over or whatever or, or is it actually, what is the underlying cause? Because those things don't make you angry. Like, they don't. If you're getting angry about trivial things, I'm a, when I went through my mental breakdown, I absolutely burst into tears and was devastated because I thought I'd been shortchanged at the newsagents by five pounds. It was literally that. I come back from the newsagents and I bought something for my ex-wife's and my ex-father-in-law. My, my ex-wife gave me some money, gave me, 20 quid over and said, can you buy this? And I came back and she said, where's the change? I gave her the change and she was like, oh, is, no, you should have more change than that. And I lost it. Absolutely lost it. Just, I was devastated. And it was at that point that she noticed something isn't right. This, this isn't right. But it took her to tell me this isn't right. And again, that was, that can be one of those points somebody saying you need help with this and it was her saying you need to see the doctor you need to get some you know medication or whatever you need to see a counselor and i did i went on to um, see a counselor and i went to the doctor did all of those steps but it but it took that moment of triviality losing everything losing my shit completely over something as trivial as being shortchanged of five pounds it took that moment to then you know, establish something needed to change in that area as well. 
Yeah, I've definitely been there as well. It, 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 when you're explaining it, I'm going through, I'm going through the images in my mind of me doing similar things to people. Yeah. And uh, I know some people. I've got a friend I live with at the moment, and I'm not going to name names just in case they don't want to be named. But he's incredibly calm, patient, you know, very loving kind of guy. Mm. And at the same time, he gets things done, and he's you know a successful person. He's starting a business at the moment today, actually. So I hope to visit him at some point. And it seems like nothing can really phase him mm-hmm. uh, because it seems that through nature, nurture, whatever, he's just got that balance there anyway, which is not something I've got naturally. Like I think I've got a level, and maybe you do as well, a level of anxiety, which is already quite high. It doesn't take all that much added on top of that for it to then like boil over. And mm-hmm. so for me, I have to do like practices each day. You know, some days. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It really depends on the day that you're having. Yeah, it does. Some days you wake up and it's just like, you know, almost everything can trigger you. Um, so I, I try and like, you know, meditate, do some breathing, you know, gratitude, gratitude all these things to try and balance myself. And mm-hmm. because I think, I mean, this is going to sound like a cliche because people like Tony Robbins have used it. But, you know, if you're feeling gratitude and, and that sort of loving feeling, mm-hmm. which I think are very similar, I struggle to differentiate the two actually. Um, it's really hard to then be really pissed off with someone or lash out at somebody because it, 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 you might go, oh, they've done that, but it won't. For me, I'd get to that anxious level and there'd be that sort of like headache, sort of like almost pressure in the brain feeling, yeah. tightness in the chest. And when you've got that, those like s- symptoms, then you're kind of going, almost anything, doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. can make you. And so, yeah, it, it's. It's a lot about your own mental state. And I know I can get, uh, I can turn into a bit of a knobhead after I've done a strength workout. For some reason, it just really attacks my nervous system. And I'm just like, I'm really pumped after it. Yeah. But also in a way where I'm just like, maybe it's the testosterone or something. I'm there like, oh, you know, anything comes at me. I'm like, yeah, let's have a fight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd recognize that. So I try and avoid people after that, you know, if yeah, I can. Because yeah. I had an ex who pointed that out. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> I should probably plan days at another time then. Yeah. <laughs> But recognizing those things as well. Those, I mean, if you have, um, if you if you put the work in, and you're you're in a place in your life where you are working, you know, you you're doing a career in something that you enjoy, or you're at least working at attaining that career, you know, starting a new business or whatever, and you know you're you're in control and you've got these plans in place and you're you're doing the things that you know you need to do then little things like somebody cutting you up in traffic you can be in such a good space in your head where you just like oh whatever dickhead you got a small penis whatever i don't care whereas other days if you're having a really bad day i mean i have literally and it sounds so bad i have literally um driven very close behind the person that is just cut past all the traffic and cut in front of me. One of those people, everyone's queuing like a nice person and some dickhead goes, yeah, I don't want to queue because I'm driving a certain type of car begins with B. Um, but it's always, <laughs> it might've been me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always, but I've, uh, and, and I'll snap and I'll drive right behind them and I'll deliberately go out of my route and I will follow them. I've followed people for like a good 10 minutes before going back on my route just because I want them to be like, oh, sh- oh, shit, what have I done? 
because that's that's the space that I'm in in that day. Having a bad day, bang, just ridiculous. But recognizing those little things, I recognize if I'm in a space where I'm feeling particularly lonely, I have these massive bouts of loneliness uh, because I work on my own. I predominantly I live with other people, but I don't see them as often as I as as I would. Um, you know, if I get those massive bouts of loneliness, then I know I should go to the gym or read a book or watch a film or whatever. Don't go on, you know, don't do other things that you know are just going to depress you more. Don't put on sad music. Don't, you know, go scrolling through Facebook and looking at your ex-partner's pictures or something like that. It's like, just do notice what doesn't serve you. And then notice what does. For me, I go to the gym, work out, get rid of a load of frustration, come out, and I'm like, oh, I feel fine now. Yeah. feel absolutely fine. It could be a different focus as well. That's really important. Because uh, when I'm doing some, I've done some workshops and productivity and things, part mm-hmm. of it is about being mindful of your current state. Yeah. So I think it could be quite easy for anybody doing, well, any job really, to be overwhelmed with things mm-hmm. or feel underwhelmed and tired and bored. Like, it depends on your state. So depending on that, you should, if you can f- recognize those feelings, you know, are you thinking about a million different things at once, you know, all those kinds of things. Well, in, in that case, is it then better to meditate or, you know, walk out in nature for 10 minutes or, or whatever it is? Uh, and injecting those... Uh, I'm quite militant about it now, actually. I'll generally work for about 45 minutes, have a bit of a break. Yeah. Uh, and And depending on how I'm feeling, like if I'm feeling really tired and can't be asked, I'm more likely to go and do some press-ups than I am to meditate because I don't want to feel more tired yeah. or more chilled, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a practice and self-awareness piece. But, mm. yeah. Well, I want to fast-forward a little bit. I suppose we jumped around slightly, but um, to the point where you quit. So you were doing sales for a number of, mm-hmm. of years, and yeah. then there was a whole s- s- sequence of events that sort yeah. of led to that. Could you uh, explain a bit more about that? Yeah, it, it's it's it kind of followed on from that period where I was stuck covering the same area and realised, well, you know, everyone knows me. If they're going to change their if they're going to change their supplier over to me, they would have done so by now. And hairdressers are very much they don't change unless they absolutely have to because they find a product that they trust and they know works. Why would they change that? And I got to that space where I was just you know, sat in the car crying, had enough. I was, I was taking time off, um, skiving. Basically I was doing extras work on days where I was meant to be prospecting. And, um, so I wasn't performing as well, especially opening new business. And I was called in for a meeting, went in for the meeting and they said, look, you know, we need to discuss this. And at the end of the meeting, they said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll arrange a meeting and you can bring somebody with you if you want it was one of those meetings where it was like okay you might want to bring someone with you as a witness sort of thing um it's a very business thing when they give you a a, like a a written warning about your performance Mm. you know they say oh you can bring someone with you if you want to represent you whatever so they so they had said this was on the friday afternoon um we'll arrange a meeting you can bring someone with you We'll tell you when the meeting's going to be. We'll give you plenty of time. I leave the meeting. Say half an hour later, I get an email while I'm driving home 
telling me the meeting is on Monday. So it's gone from, you know, we'll give you plenty of time. You can bring someone with you. We'll arrange the meeting. We'll let you know to half an hour later when I'm no longer in front of my manager. Okay. Slightly cowardly. I think we could agree. Mm. Then I get the email saying it's on Monday. And I went home and spoke to my wife and just said, I cannot do this. They've stitched me up. Um, and I, I don't know what to do. And she's like, go see the doctor, sign yourself off with stress. Don't go back. So I signed myself off with stress. And then I'm a Douglas Adams fan. I'm a real, I love all that hitchhiker's guide. And it was mm. approaching my 42nd birthday. And I went, do you know what? 42. The answer to life, the universe and everything. So on my 42nd birthday, deliberately, I sent the email saying, because I'd had this discussion with my wife and she had said, I can cover all the bills. You do what you need to do. Work on whatever. And I sent the email on my 42nd birthday saying, you know, I quit. I'm not coming back. And for me, that was, oh, it's one of the proudest things I've ever done. Not just not just making the decision to quit. Because had that meeting not happened, I probably wouldn't have quit. I would have carried on in that job for a few more years, absolutely hating it. And it really was one of those moments where if you don't do what you need to do, the universe will do it for you. That happens a lot. People lose their jobs and they end up turning their hobby into a career that ends up being a successful business. The number of successful people who lost their job, Oprah Winfrey lost her job. You don't have a face for television or whatever. Now look at her. So many success stories like that, where other people force you out of what you think is what's best for you. You lose a job. You end up, you know, a Brooke Costello, who is a, a an American life coach. She says she lost her job and absolutely everything. What she was doing, she lost a lot of money, hundreds of thousands had to get an actual job at Hewitt Packard. That's where she met her husband. She's like, to this day, me losing all of that money, she was basically robbed. Me losing all of that money and having to get that job was the best thing because I would not have met my husband and been where I am today. And for me, had that meeting not happened where they said, you know, it's going to be on Monday, I, I would not have quit. And then I wouldn't have gone on to do the other things that I've done since then. So that was a real blessing in disguise is, yeah. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. It's uh, quite a journey and ah, I, I, it's, I'm just thinking about when people tell me I want to talk to you, you know, and it's and the thing, the, oh. the conversations in the future, it's the worst thing. Just that I gut mean, feeling, it, that gut feeling, oh God, what have I done? Yeah. Yeah, it is sort of, maybe it comes from school because the only time that people yeah. ever sort of, or maybe your parents, it's like, yeah. oh, actually, no, my parents would have just yeah. told me. It must have been school where they yeah. just go, all right, we need to talk, I need to talk to you later or something. And you're like, oh, fuck, what have I done? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder how many people have that negative trigger where they say, can, oh, can I have a word? Uh, that. I can't remember what group of people it is, but there's a certain group of people that particularly hates that. And I'm pretty sure it would be the anxious sort of, type yeah. who worry about things and so for me if someone says oh, i need to talk to you later i'll be like that's all i'll think about all day it, it's never say that to somebody who's anxious yeah just talk to them uh <laughs> and try and make sure they're in a good state if you can um, yeah yeah or tell them what you or give them an idea what you have a, give them a tease you just go you know oh you know can i see you such and such ago oh it's nothing to worry about it's just or whatever 
just do something tell them something don't just say can i have a word and just leave yeah. them bubbling going oh i'm gonna lose my job <laughs> yeah uh well yeah. and uh and so when you when you quit then uh when you you it, when you were expressing yourself and everything it sounded like you know you, you there was a um, pressure lifted there, there was all this sort of motions yeah. of, of lifting your hands and things did it feel that way and and what how quickly did you then transition into doing other stuff? Oh, well, I was, I was already doing some other stuff. So I was already doing a bit of stand-up and I was already doing a bit of extras work. So I kind of, I, I dabbled a bit and I knew that neither of them were going to fully pay the bills. But I had an idea of, you know, the acting industry and the comedy industry so that that wasn't too bad. It wasn't like I was quitting and then just going, what the frick do I do now? I, I already had an idea. Yeah. Um, so it was a massive relief sort of making that decision, right, I'm not going back. But then you do have the pressure of, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And then you have to do the serious work of going, okay. Now, I knew that I could get a certain amount of money through stand up but that's very very infrequent and very low paid i mm. knew that i could get certain amount of money through i was uh hosting pub quizzes but it was like one a week because i wasn't in london in london i ended up doing four or five a week um hmm. and i knew with the extras work i could definitely get work there what i had to then look at was okay what do i do during the day and that that was the hard part seriously thinking what do i do to pay the bills what can i do and if i if i look back now i can't think of i can't remember actually doing any kind of regular normal day job not until not until my ex-wife and i split up i think i was just doing comedy and quiz hosting and um and i, I decided that i was going to do I was going to do the acting. I'd been on a McDonald's advert and saw the guy who was being paid thousands getting the simplest of things wrong over and over again. And I was like, well, fucking I can do that. Um, yeah. So that's when I financed, uh, I got the finance to get a car and um, paid for two, two terms of acting class in London. And just went, right, well, I'm going to do that now. And it was kind of that. It was kind of just a ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to do acting and do extras work and all of that because my ex-wife had said I can cover the bills. So had she not said that, everything would have been completely different. I mean, I literally, I've told her this numerous times anyway. I, I owe so much uh, to my ex-wife. She's perfect, just not perfect for me. That was another thing that had to change. Mm. But yeah, no, I just kind of <laughs> just went, I'm doing comedy, I'm doing a bit of acting, you know, the extra stuff. Let's work on that. That's kind of it. I was I was doing a little bit of modeling, but again, I was outside of London. And right. that was another thing that had to change. Yeah, eventually moved to London. But mm. what I thought was interesting as well was uh that that realization of I can do that and mm. I've had that as well. It, yeah. It's interesting because when you see other people do things, 
a lot of the time, especially when you're younger, you kind of go, I could never do that. Uh, and you see, you put, well, personally, anyway, I put people on pedestals because yeah. they're either older or I perceive them as more intelligent and all that's bollocks. Um, and I'm not saying anyone could do anything. Obviously, some people are better at other things, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I'm not saying that. But having the confidence in yourself, I guess mm-hmm. having been around that environment uh, with the extras and all of that, and I've seen some of the adverts you've done, and yeah, it's just very slick and looks looks you know very good. Like so, you you clearly can act as well. And they're so, all they're all done in one take, by the way, as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I do one take, and then that's it. I mean, none of those, none of that work has needed more than one take, ev, ever. Uh, yeah, I'm clearly lying. It's <laughs> clearly lying. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, I was surprised I managed to do the intro to this in the first take, but there you go. Uh, I had practiced previously, so. <laughs> well, what gave you the confidence then to to think that you could do it? That was confidence is something you build up over a period of time because there there was a lot of truth in. There's a meme that goes around somewhere, and it says there are there are there are people out there doing things. Um, there are people out there. <sighs> I can't remember what the meme is now. I should have brought it up on my phone. But there's basically something saying that there are lots of people out there doing jobs that you could do simply because they decided to do, to do it and they know better than you. It's literally they've chosen to do it. And we did. There was a massive difference between uh, we really we negate what we are capable of because we put people on pedestals. Like you say, we look at them and we go, Oh my God, like people you say to me, all the time, I can never do stand up. No, I make a point of going, no, anyone can do stand up. There is a formula to it. It's the same as anything else. There is a formula to it. There was a formula to, to how you stand, how you speak, how you deliver, how you construct a joke. Now, yes, some people are naturally funny. Some people have to work at it but everyone at some point has told a joke and made somebody else laugh. Everyone. It doesn't matter how dull you are. At some point, John Major would have made somebody crease up laughing, you know, but, you know, anyone can do anything. It's just some people are naturally more gifted or more adept to certain things. So for me, I'd done the Toastmasters. I'd done the stand-up. I'd done the extras. So I'd done all of these things. And I was, I was looking at this guy. And I I know to this day, I know his lines and his actions and his partner's lines and her actions. Because I was just sat there watching it, studying it. A lot of people on set when they do an extras work, they'll go on set and they'll chat to somebody else or whisper because you're told, don't talk. But for mm. some reason, a hundred people whispering is apparently you can't hear that. It's a ridiculous thing. It's like <laughs> when they say don't talk, they don't just mean a hundred of you go. <laughs> like, the microphone still picks that up, dickhead. But but I would sit there watching these actors go. What is his line? What is his timing? When does he move his arm? You know, I would study it while I was on there, and I just realised because I'd done some adverts with certain movements, hit certain points, and I'd read so many acting books and watched videos, and I'd done the homework. And I just sat there and just thought, well, this guy's getting paid thousands of pounds, and he cannot open a box with the ring in the right way round. He can't not say love 
to this woman because love isn't in the line. You know, it just kept on making silly mistakes, really silly mistakes. And I just thought, I can do that. Because if you can learn a speech for Toastmasters or whatever, if you can learn a speech, you can learn a script. Mm. If you can learn where you move on stage to do comedy, you can learn where to move uh, on a set. You can study anything. You can study absolutely anything and go, how does this person do this? If you want to be an actor, you study actors and you study the, if you want to do comedy, you study comedy. If you want to study and, and you build up confidence through the Toastmasters, that's one of the best things. I cannot speak highly enough about Toastmasters when it comes to building confidence in public speaking. But yeah. you, because you start off small and you get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, that's a completely different subject. But over the years, through doing these things, my confidence had then got to the stage where I went, I know if I apply myself, I can do that. And then I, and then I set the I set the plan for the acting. I found an acting school with an agency attached to it and went, I'm going to do that term, that term, that term, go up each term, join their agency, get an agent, get on spotlight. And that's exactly what I did because I made my mind up. How did you know to do each of those steps? Uh, I mean, you did a bit of research, but how would you know? Yeah. It was it was laid out, what, each of the steps with the acting school or? Yeah, because you said uh, I made a plan and so yeah. I needed to go to acting school. and all, like, How did you know all those things? Um, I looked into acting schools. I worked out what days I could do acting and, and things like that. And it was like, okay, so I found a part-time one. So I looked at full-time, part-time, how much does a full-time cost? Um, and it's literally, it was like £8,000. It took three years full time. You couldn't, it would be in Guildford and all this kind of stuff. So I looked at the options, eliminated the ones that I couldn't do, went, right, I need to do part time. And then looked at all of the part time ones and went, right, this one has an agency attached. That would make sense. So I basically just took the bigger picture and broke it down process of elimination until i went this is the acting school i can get to i can afford and this is how i can do it you have to my acting level start at the beginning never acted in my life stage and then i saw that there were sort of three more levels and then if you if you pass if you get through those levels and you progress up classes because there are people that have been there that, that had been there for a few terms and not progressed to the next level right whereas my plan was what if i if i apply myself and do the work if you do the work and apply yourself there's no reason why you would fail just logically you just you do the work and a lot of the time people fail is because they don't do the work i would turn up for lessons on a sunday after doing a six hour uh shifting tesco's and while i was doing my shift at tesco's packing the online shopping i would have my script in front of me and then when i was traveling in the car on the tube i would use an app on my phone to to hear my lines and learn my lines. so all the time i'm doing something i'm learning my lines you turn up to acting class and there's some 17 year old who lives with mum and dad and doesn't have a full-time job and they go oh i haven't learned my lines and you're like what where's the excuse for that where's the excuse for that mm -hmm. You either want you either want to do it or you don't want to do it. If you don't want to learn your lines when you're 17 and live with mum and dad, fuck off. Go and work in a supermarket. Like you don't deserve to be in this <laughs> class. You don't. You don't. If you you shouldn't be in an acting class if you're not going to do the work. If you're not going to do the work, then you don't want to do it. 
It's like people who go to Weight Watchers year after year after year and never hit their target weight. And you go, well, clearly you don't want to lose weight then. Otherwise, you'd, be, you'd hit your target weight. It's that simple. Do the work or don't do the work. But don't do not do the work and then make excuses. I haven't had time or whatever. But I just knew that if I applied it, I would go from here to here to here to here to here. And, yeah, that's what I did. Once you decide you want something. And I knew that other actors had started at a late age. You've only got to Google actors who became successful later in life. You know, and there's loads of them. Absolutely loads. John Hamm was working for years you know, uh, um, uh, who's the guy who played Walter White in Breaking Bad? Uh, Brian, oh, Brian Cranston, you know, his autobiography, A Life in Parts. He had loads of bit parts and everything. The woman who played the lead coach in Glee didn't get her lead role until she was, you know, 50 something or whatever. There's loads of them. So you go, what if one person can do it? If these people did it, there's no, there's, absolutely no reason why why you couldn't if somebody swims the channel at the age of 60 and you've always wanted to swim the channel and you're 30 you go well you've got another 30 years to make it because if someone has done it anyone can do it we know that we we know that from the three minute mile from you know in the years the, the years after the three minute mile was broken something ridiculous like another thousand people did it you know, yeah. so many people, but it takes one person to do it to make other people realize as soon as you realize something can be done, well, you can do it. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee and breathe and let you ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge mug as well. It's impressive. <laughs> well, it, it sort of made me think of a few things because they're all the things linking back together here. Um, I've purposely wrote stuff out this time because last time I tried to do things on a computer. And scrolling up and down whilst doing oh. podcast stuff does not work. I can tell you that's a stupid idea. So now I've got things in a semi-chronological order and I'm writing things. Just a, a peek behind the curtain here. Anyway, um, so you mentioned, um, well, effectively, people that were role models. You know, you got these um, older mm-hmm. actors and things that you'd seen and were good examples of people who'd done it. Mm-hmm. And you saw that as, as something, you know, you could hold on to as well. Um, and also really interesting about... People not putting in the effort, you know, people saying they want to do something, but then not, mm. not, not doing anything about mm. it. I think it shows how much you you wanted it, really, because I mean, you you've definitely got a thing where you get really focused on things anyway. But I think that's that's one of the most important things. Uh, been listening to this podcast called Huberman Lab, where he talks about how the best way to learn is, and it's not surprising that it's repetitions and mm. focus. You know, that's the main thing really and that's what you were doing you know mm. you're on your tube and you were repeating and doing it over and over again and mm. you that strong desire and i've got a few ways i want to go with this really part of me wonders how you can how people in general let's say they're struggling mm. or or demo, feel demotivated and things like that like mm. how do people then go from that state because that 17 year old kid he's probably not a complete wanker but he didn't have the drive for whatever reason. Like how, mm. you know, it, it. How can you get that drive? How can you build that drive? I, you know, something I struggle with. Do you have any you know, sort of tips, or is it just something you, you fall into? I think you have to remind yourself why you want to do it, and make sure the reasons that you want to do it are the right reasons. A lot of people will go, "I want to be an actor," and you go, "Why?" 
and it'll be like, oh, because I want to be famous. Why? Because I want to be noticed. Why? You can, you can why, why, why all the way down. And it turns out, oh, so no, you want to be an actor because you're the youngest child in your family and you feel that nobody pays you any attention. So if you become an actor, you become famous, you get attention from people that fulfills your sense of of wanting to feel uh, 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 loved, appreciated, worthy. You know, you think that if you become an actor, you get loads of money and you become famous, and then everybody loves you. We know the the truth behind celebrity and fame is completely, it's nowhere near the paradise that people, famous people commit suicide, and they've got everything. You know, the DJ who died recently, you know, a couple of years back or whatever, nobody knew, and rock stars or whatever. If it was that great, why do people with loads of money and everything in the world, fame, fortune, why do they kill themselves? It's not that great. So you need to know why, what is your purpose for wanting to do the thing that you want to do? Why do you want to lose weight? If you want to lose weight because you, your friend is a size 10 and she gets attention from men, okay, well, do you want to lose weight or do you want to work on your self-esteem? You know, you need to know why you want to do it. And then remind yourself consistently why you're doing it. Because a lot, of the, a lot of the time there will be failure, 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 especially with acting. It's rejection, rejection, rejection. And you need to know why you want to do it. Now, I I, abs- I love acting because, I mean, Lawrence Olivier, somebody said to him, why does, any, why does an actor become an actor? Why does anybody want to become an actor? And he gave the most honest answer to acting I've ever heard. So the question he was asked was, why would anyone want to be an actor? And he just looked at this, looked at the woman and just said, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Which is basically just saying, just for the attention. Mm. You want to be the centre of attention. You want people to pay you attention. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, comedians going on stage and telling jokes. You want everyone to look at you and laugh and find you funny. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's be honest about it. You're not becoming an actor because I want to get deep into people's characters and learn about the struggles of the white civilians in America in the 80s. Bullshit. You want to, <laughs> you want everyone to pay you attention. But just be honest about why you want to do things. But make sure that the, the reason you want to do something is strong enough for you to keep doing it. If you want, if if you don't have a strong enough reason, you won't keep on doing it. It's like when somebody says, "Why do you, I need? I want to quit smoking. Why do you want to commit smoking? Because the doctor told me." Ah, well then you are not going to quit smoking because you yeah. don't have a strong enough reason. For me, acting is is you get to be different people, and I get bored easily. That's a very entrepreneurial thing. If you get bored easily, this is why we do survival jobs and this job and that job and many different jobs juggling balls and and wearing multiple hats because actors and creative people generally yes we get bored we're not going to sit behind a desk and do admin and bookkeeping or grown-up stuff we don't want to do that we want to play around and be a child and pretend acting is basically you're getting paid to make believe which is what children do all the time but then you're told to grown up, to, to grow up. And actors are Peter Pan. We just go, well, I don't want to grow up. I want to make believe and get paid for it. So all of the rejection 
is it doesn't bother me. So I go, well, that just mm. means every single no takes me closer to a yes. And every now and again, I get a job and it's like £2,000 for pretending to be a family man with a wife and kids on a holiday park or whatever, you know. Yeah. You go, well, that's good. I can, you, you can face the failures and the rejection if you have a strong enough reason for why. What is your why? Yeah. And you have those role models that remind you those 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 examples of people who have done what you want to do because then you've you've got a solid foundation for doing what you want to do and you've got something to look up to you've got the base of the tower and then you've got the the pinnacle of it or the mountain whatever yeah that makes sense so yeah the vision and the purpose and all that i think it's really interesting and definitely what you need to do anything the <laughs> sustainably mm. like anyone could do something for a bit because they think it's a good idea um mm. like a new diet you know january gym subscriptions go up uh i could tell this is a book bear of yours so probably won't yeah. <laughs> won't go too much further on that one but uh, what's the reason they got lost a bit of weight i mean they put on a bit of weight over christmas and yeah. they want to lose it but is one of their primary values about being healthy or you know whatever the answer is probably no. They're just mm. doing it for that superficial reason you, you mentioned earlier, yeah. which may or may not be a good enough driver. For me younger, it might have been. For me now, no, it's just it's a, it's a one of my top priorities because it makes me feel good. I went for a run this morning because I wanted to feel great for conversations. Mm. You know, Obviously, uh, it makes sense. And I actually thought about how can I make this conversation better and obviously prepare and all that stuff, but also for me to be in a good state. So I know mm. after I've been for a run, and again, I wouldn't do this, you know, I wouldn't finish half an hour before we talked because I might be like overly <laughs> pumped up or drained. So I'd give myself a bit of time to calm down as well. Yeah. Because I, I didn't, I don't want to come yeah. on here and have a fight with you, obviously. Because <laughs> <laughs> I probably win. But yeah, no, it's exactly that. I mean, diets are a classic example. Absolute classic example. Because it's as people go, I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Because I don't, th- I, because I, I, I feel ugly. I don't look good. It's the okay. And then they lose weight and they, they look good. And then they go back to their old habits. Now, if you lose weight for a health reason, you want to fight your diabetes, your high blood pressure, you know, because it's potentially life changing, you're more likely to keep that weight off and do it long term and change your diet long term and see the results long term because but people if you're doing it for a superficial reason it's that's not a strong enough reason guys classic example guys and girls will go to the gym and they will sit on the equipment on their mobile phones because they want to go to the gym but you know they don't want to put the work in and, and tear that muscle girls don't want to sweat and guys are much worse than girls so i'm generalizing here but a lot of time i will see a girl and it's like well you're not even sweating you're just on the stepper or whatever and it's like ah. but if you have a strong enough reason you want to get big you want to get fit you're working at a marathon you won't give a shit what your makeup looks like you'll sweat you'll work you'll bang because that was that reason is fires you up if it doesn't fire you up ugh, you know it's, it's not strong enough. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, we've both done some NLP training, uh, neuro-linguistic programming for anyone who doesn't know what that means. And uh, when you were talking about having a strong driving thing, so it sounds like you're quite 
pulled towards things that you really want mm-hmm. uh, and that they are like big driving factors for you. For some people, and, and this is absolutely fine as well, the pain of something as you know, you, you go into that valley and you come mm-hmm. back up again, sometimes the pain pushes them too and you've been there too. Yeah. Um, so sometimes a combination of the two can be really useful. Oh. Um, and as you mentioned, health reasons as well, I have to manage my blood sugar. So that's part of the reason why I eat very well and the, the frequency I do and, and also the, mm-hmm. the uh, exercise as well. Um, so I want to give people a bit of a tool or, or you know, advice potentially. Mm. So when it comes to the whole purpose, the whys, all that kind of stuff, I know you do coaching now as well. Um, how would you help people? Obviously, you talk to them and try and figure out stuff about them. Mm. But, you know, are there any sort of quickish things that people can do to figure out how, well, what do I want to do or why should I do this, you know, purpose? Um, as in anything they can do to find their why? Yeah. It's, it's, you ask yourself, like, why do I want to do this? So if we look at, say, I want to lose weight, you go, I want to lose weight. You go, okay, what's, you know, what's the high purpose of losing weight? But you go, oh, well, I'll be able to, uh, I'll, be, I'll be able to get into this pair of jeans that I really want to be able to get into. Okay. And what's the higher purpose of getting into that pair of jeans? What will that give you? Oh, it'll give me a sense of, achievement and it will give me and you can you can do that consistently and go what's the what's the higher purpose of that and really get to the underlying because very often we we think we want to do something for a certain reason but the real reason is much deeper than that i had a client recently where she said she wanted to lose weight and then through this process of what will that give you and what will that give you and what will that give you which is which is when you imagine it you were starting up here with the main reason what will that give you let's go deeper let's go deeper let's go deeper because everything stems mm-hmm. from a, a thought and a feeling thoughts create feelings that, that that create actions that create results so you can reverse engineer that what is the result that you want? Reverse engineer it. How is that going to make you? Uh, how is that action going to make you feel? Well, how, you know, mm. what is that? What is that feeling going to make you think? And and it turned out with my client, she recently wanted to lose weight, is because her self esteem was so low, because she was so lonely, and she was letting people into her life to use her and then go again and she had this spiral and if she lost weight she would be more attractive she would find a partner she would and it when we got to the nitty-gritty of it she wanted to lose weight because of all of these other things that she needed to work on and it was a self-esteem issue Mm. but initially it was i want to lose weight because i've got these flabby bingo wings so it was yeah, what, what's my motivating bingo wings or to feel more confident slash yeah, less I want to lose these bingo wings. Yeah, why? What do, What will that do? Oh, it will give me a feeling mm. of this. And what will that do? You dig down until you get to the fundamental. What is my fund? And when you get to that thing where you just go, oh, it's about that. And you go, right, that's what you want to focus on. Yeah, sometimes you have to. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I like talking to people like yourself, you know, people who think in that kind of way. Uh, because 
I, I find the why is much more interesting than the hows or the what's. It, it's really, you know, why did you do that? What did you learn from it? What were you thinking about? You know, all that kind of stuff. And you mentioned uh, some questions, and I'm really glad you said it. I wanted to ask you because I didn't want to just keep talking the whole time. Uh, things like what's your higher purpose? What does it give you? What does it give others? Uh, mm. The others one is uh, can be surprisingly powerful because I think a lot of us are stuck in our own world of me, me, me. Uh, quite natural. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, we got our own brains and you know talking to ourselves a lot of the time. Uh, so sometimes that focus outwards can be really useful as well. And I really liked the focusing on the result as well and the feeling and then the force working backwards. I, mm. I think, yeah, it sometimes people couldn't or can't articulate the things that they really w- want or really, if they haven't thought about it deeply, it can take a lot mm. of time and introspection mm. to figure out the deeper meanings of stuff. Mm. Um, I think the questions you were mentioning, I think they're called clean questions, aren't they? Is yeah. It? Yeah, clean questions. So Google that if you, if you want to find out more about that because you'll find a bunch of examples. Yeah. And uh, that's an exercise I use with people as well is to take that, you know, if you go probably like seven levels deep or something like that, that is, you know, you can get pretty emotional, which is quite good if you want people to find out, you know, real purpose and drive and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the number of times people have, I mean, the client I was talking about, she had boundary issues and everything that she wanted, that she had to work on more than the more than the, the weight issues. But yeah, we saw towards the end of that conversation, she's crying. Because sometimes you do, you get a real deep, just the, the, the fundamental reasons behind why we do things. You can, when you understand how people operate, and the, and their motives for operating it's very easy to establish why someone is the way that they are i've got a my my neighbor's son is um 17 and very loud and plays very loud gangster rap music and he's very you know he's very loud and i worked out very quickly through sort of having a little chat with him, why why he is that way, why he does those things. And that's very interesting because when you get to that established, when you get to that area where you can, you can understand the fundamental underlying reasons of why people do things and why they are the way they are, it's very easy to then not uh, uh, be so angry towards them. Yeah. Understanding people. Uh, this m- reminds me of. Have you heard of nonviolent communication? Non. Nonviolent communication. Nonviolent communication. Uh, yeah. No, I tend to punch people right in the face and then ask a question. I'm very much old school. Uh, I'm from the days of. Uh, I follow the cowboy philosophy: shoot first, ask questions later. Which is a <laughs> night. Which is a nightmare asking for directions in central London, but. <laughs> my old boss used to say you know ask for forgiveness or for permission a similar sort of thing i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was yeah i like that um well the reason i mention it um is because a lot of that is trying to figure out what's underlying what's going on for them mm-hmm. and not just making it all about you so it's mm-hmm. understanding that people have particular needs and uh and so if you're frustrated about something, let's say, and 
I can speak from experience. Let's just give us a, a real example. I often get frustrated at work because people aren't doing things as quickly as I'd like or whatever. And and so that's a reason. I don't think that's a need, like people doing stuff. That's like not a need for yourself. It's not a personal need. Um, so what would be a personal need that's not, you know, I like to have order. I like to, um, yeah, like things to be orderly, get things done, feel like a progressing, you know, collaboration, mm. trust, you know, all these things. And, you know, if people don't do the things they say that you do, you can't trust them. Uh, you know, it feels disordered. And, and so you, you can talk, bring it back to, I don't feel good about that because it looks bad for me as well. Uh, mm. that, I haven't anticipated that coming out. But in that mm. case, it's because I'm worried about what people think about me. So mm. my percep- people's perception of me, um, because I'm meant to be managing this thing. Mm. And and so you can always turn it around and go, okay, so I'm frustrated because of that or, or whatever. So it's not taking personal responsibility for how you feel is is quite important on that mm. in that sense oh very often we do very often we habitually it's something that we do as as human beings it's easier to blame someone else for something than it is to take accountability for ourselves and a classic example is you know you you will consistently be late for work because you consistently leave at the same time and hit the same amount of traffic and then you'll get you'll be late to work and then you will get angry at the other drivers who are in the same position as you, the uh, the roadworks, the people at the roadwork who, you know, they're, they're trying to do their job. You'll get angry about all these other things. But the, the truth of the matter is, no, you hit the snooze button three, four, five times every single day until you get to the very last minute, then you leave, then you hit the traffic. The reason you are late and the reason you are angry is because you keep on hitting that snooze button. It's nobody else's fault, but we will go, you make me angry. That's that's annoying. It's that fault. And it's like, no. But it takes a lot of work to be honest with yourself and go, why am I really angry? You know, is it is it that person's fault? Or is it or is it my fault? Is it nobody's fault? Is it literally just something that we can't do anything about? And sometimes just realizing nothing I can do about this. I don't get stressed if I'm stuck in traffic and I'm running late. Very much don't get stressed now. So mm. go, I can get stressed out or I can chill out. It doesn't matter what I do. This traffic is not going to move any faster. Me leaning yeah. on the horn isn't going to make anything change. And just sometimes just realizing it's completely out of my control. Might as yeah, well just... fo- focus on the things that you can control, right? Yeah. Stuck in traffic. What can I do? I can make a phone call and say, by the way, I'm hitting all this massive traffic. I'm going to be an hour late. The person can then say, oh, I'm so glad you said that because I'm running late. All of a sudden, everyone's running late. You can chill out. Yeah. You know, or you could or you could be sat in traffic. Oh, my God, I'm going to be late. These people are going to hate me. It's like, well, what can you do? And send an email, can give a quick phone call. Sometimes I just look out the van and just smile at you know, somebody's dog. <laughs> just, yeah. just find something else to focus on. Shift your focus. Yeah. Shift your focus. Yep. Yep. Absolutely agree. And <clears throat> I'm going to shift gear slightly because I think uh, one of your more recent sort of stories is quite interesting for people to hear. So uh, COVID, I think COVID's been mm. uh, a, a bitch to basically everyone. Um, I don't think many people have enjoyed it, especially 
uh, a lot of the isolation and all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you were in London and now we're back in London again. Yeah. Um, but you, well, things shut down and a lot of what you do is based on people being yeah. together, which yeah. uh, was is still not fully back to how we would like it to be, but there you go. Mm. Um, so what happened over COVID for you um, and like, how did you deal with it? Because I, I think it was quite in some ways transformational because you started a business as well. Yeah. Yeah. Again, COVID was, it touches on what we, we spoke about earlier. Some things happening that you wouldn't want to happen, situations that you find yourself in that you wouldn't naturally want to be in. But when you look back in retrospect, you realise it was it was a blessing in disguise. Now, what I was in, I was doing stand-up, I was doing filming. Uh, my survival job was uber driving and i was uh hosting a pub quiz every sunday i was working a lot doing lots of different jobs and then all of a sudden the pubs are shut so there's no quiz there's no comedy no one's going out there's no uber driving now this is the point where i went into absolute fight or flight mode and again my ex-wife gave me the best piece of advice she went you have to go and live with your parents you can't stay in london paying rent with no income. You don't know what's going to happen with universal credit. You don't know what's going to happen with this government thing. Yes, the government said we're going to give people money, but the government saying something and the government actually doing what they say and, you know, walking horse shit. It's just, you can't, you can't rely on it. Mm. You can always guarantee if Boris Johnson says, I never said that, you can guarantee he did. And if Boris Johnson says, we will do this, you can guarantee, no, you won't. (laughs) Just, you know, let the bodies pile high. I didn't say that. Of course you didn't. Now, <laughs> that's a different tangent. But with, with so my ex-wife said, you go and live with your parents. I contacted my parents and said, I need to come and live with you. Is that possible? And my parents are great. They're just like, yep, yeah, we'll find space. My dad had an office and he just cleared it out and turned it into a bedroom. And I literally just had a prison cell fold out Z bed thing. It was with a door underneath the mattress because it squeaked every time I move and woke my dad up. But I went and did that. I just literally said to my landlady and I just moved in two, two or three weeks earlier and just said, I have to go this weekend. And it was one of those where I like, I don't care what you say. I'm off. Sorry, but you have to put yourself first. It was survival. I went yeah. and lived with my parents uh i had universal credit coming in fortunately and during that period of and a lot of people would have been going through this during that period of not being able to do anything that gave me the space to really focus and go okay what now what do i want to do a lot of people struggled in COVID because as a society, we don't spend time in silence. We can't handle silence. We can't handle not having any any thought. We need a mobile phone. We need music. You know, generally see people walking around without headphones in. Um, and a lot of people really struggled because they're like, oh, my God, because we don't have these distractions. We distract ourselves from the things that we're dissatisfied with. We distract ourselves with alcohol. Uh, cigarettes, television, people, work, commute, anything other than let's actually spend time. And I spent that time looking at me and my life and going, where am I now? Where do I go from here? 
and then it was through predominantly through the uh, NLP that I had already done and getting back in touch with you know get, get getting back in 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 touch with the trainers that really gave me that focus of going right what do I need in my life what am I good at what am are my skills and that then enabled me to go okay you know, I, sh I should do the NLP because I enjoy that. I should do coaching because I've I've been through so much, so much crap. That one of my skills is 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 survival. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a, I'm, I'm a survivor. Things happen. I will find a way out. Not necessarily completely by myself. I will have help from. The other people from my parents from my ex-wife financial help mental support all of that is yeah. very rarely we do anything purely on our own we need to acknowledge that but it then enabling to me to look at the fundamentals of what i need in my life to then go and put, put things in place and had covid not happened i would still be uber driving and doing all of these things but again i would be working more hours than i needed to and at the detriment of my own mental health and other things that i needed in my life like other people in a social life and that sort of thing you know having that space over covid was a lifesaver yeah uh, as you mentioned as well everyone's got all these distractions and things that keep them busy yeah. And having that extra time, maybe it's an extra hour each way going to work or something or not taking your kids to do whatever all the time outside, you know, you've got all this extra time and much less distractions and less change in the environment, which I think itself is a whole other issue. But um, yeah, if, I mean, everybody, everybody does it, even if they're mm. happy. Sometimes people will distract themselves with, you know, TV just to wind down or whatever. But, you know, there's other ways too. And you mentioned a couple. I've, I've circled this because you mentioned it so many times, like people helping you, um, and it's having a support network. Mm -hmm. And it sounds great that you know your you and your ex wife have still got enough of a connection where you know mm -hmm. she can still support you and give you good advice, which is sounds like a lifesaver. A couple of times, you know, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Oh yeah. Um, um, when you were going through, you know, those questions with yourself, what am I good at? All that kind of stuff. Was that just on your own or did you ask other people? I, I very much I got in touch with Andy, Andy Coley. For those who don't know, it's Andy, Andy Coley and Joe Wilson who run um, Beyond NLP. And I got in touch and said, you know, not too sure what to do. Andy's one of these people that you can always turn to. And, and everyone has someone that they would that that they can turn to for good solid advice it might be a parent it might be a friend you know but generally somebody impartial and it was it was through that process of then utilizing nlp tools like the um the life wheel just absolutely the life wheel the two most powerful tools that i used that really made a difference were the life wheel and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. Those two 
looking at the hierarchy of knees now i'm currently working on something that utilizes both together because i believe they go hand in hand that triangle slots into that circle perfectly um but i'm working on that so don't you steal my idea but <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing it now i'm drawing a triangle inside a circle i've done it it's on my wall it's on my wall copyrighted oh um, oh god <laughs> but the two work hand in hand the two work absolutely fundamentally hand in hand because we need these things when you actually look at the life circle what do i need in my what do i need in my life and the basic life circle you'll know but for the listeners who don't it it has you have your uh your career and your friendship and these different sections that make up elements of everybody's life and you can look at where do I need that area to be? What is important to me? What, where is, is each area out of 10? Where do I want it to be? Because everybody has different things. Some people prefer alone time so that the whole social life and friends isn't a massive thing. Some people would naturally, for some people, lockdown has been a blessing because it's been an excuse to not be around people. Some people hate having to go to work and commute. So looking at the life wheel, and then looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and going, okay, you know, what area, what is missing in each area? Looking at those two gave me a real picture of what do I need to focus on now? Yeah. Which for me, sense of purpose. Sales didn't give me a sense of purpose. Selling stuff didn't give me a sense of purpose. Just absolutely. Whereas when people come to me with a need, with a with a question or something, if I can help people, that's just that fires me up. Helping people, I absolutely love it. If I can do it for free, most of it I do do for free, you know, and seeing the changes. So for me, it was that. For me, it was also being around people. I'm a people person, but I spend too much time not with people. Now, with lockdown, there's nothing we could do about that. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people spend, and I realise this, a lot of people who are people people spend a lot of time unnecessarily alone because they haven't sought out and utilised the tools that are out there that can be. I've just joined something called Meetup, which is perfect. Yeah. Because you put in your interests and it tells you about events that are happening with other people that have the same interest as you. But for ages, I was in I was in victim mode. Now, a lot of it was down to the fact that I was working so much. So I don't get a lot of time. I get every other weekend off. Um, so every other weekend I have my children. Every other weekend I don't. So really I get four days a month to myself. Mm-hmm. Now, despite that, I was in victim mode of, oh, my God, I don't have enough friends. Oh, I'm not going to find a girlfriend, da, 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 all of these things. But I wasn't really going, well, what can I do about it? Because victim mode can be very addictive, yeah. very addictive. We get into this space where we feel sorry for ourselves, and then other people on Facebook will then say, poor you, whatever, pay you a bit of attention. That feeds that little, that little addiction, that little need for attention. And then you 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 stay in that circle rather than, feeding that need from maslow's hierarchy that that need of 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 purpose and 
being loved and being part of a community and whatever we don't feed it so i i done that but i've joined meetup i needed to be around other people needed to have a sense of purpose and needed a direction career-wise and obviously the nlp and the coaching ticks all of those boxes i'm helping people i'm getting paid for it. it gives me a sense of purpose i build up a community and i can still do the acting and everything else which feeds the other areas so you know i can't actually remember what the original question was but yeah yeah oh it was about um because you're so interesting and engaging i also forgot a part way through as well and then i, I remembered <laughs> as well <laughs> the, the, the question was about you know um did you just do that on your own and the answer was no which i was hoping was the answer you know you asked somebody who's you know good at giving advice as, as well uh and yeah andy's great for that he's he's a very nice yeah, person yeah, yeah. as well yeah yeah, uh, I suppose, yeah, if you're going to ask people, don't ask people who may be closed-minded, let's say. You want people who are a bit more open about different eventualities, opportunities, and maybe you're a bit more like growth mindset kind of thing. And the other thing is seek out people who have done what you're trying to do. I mean, that's the other thing. It doesn't have to be a professional person and a professional. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to get a life coach. You don't have to do anything but you need to find somebody who has 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 demonstrated they know what they're talking about you don't talk to somebody about becoming a millionaire you don't take advice from somebody who is not a millionaire you don't take dietary advice from people who are still overweight i mean that's, that amuses me people give me advice about diet and nutrition i look at them and go well i'm in better shape than you yeah. Like, you couldn't run a bath. You've got to, you've got to seek out the <laughs> you know, you've got to seek out the people who have done. And that's again, that's the good thing. That's why I love Andy so much. Because he has been through divorce. He has been through not having money, being in severe financial. And I'm not I'm not sharing anything that he hasn't openly said himself. So that's fine. But he has been through the things that I have gone through, which means he's the perfect person to talk to and he demonstrates that he has he still has things that he is working on no life coach this is this thing about life coaches that if you're a life coach then your life must be perfect no trust me absolutely not we are constantly working on something life coaches still lose their temper still fuck up still uh, say things they shouldn't say do things they shouldn't do the main thing that we do do is recognize it and try not to do it again. We don't keep on staying in that loop of fucking up, fucking up, fucking up and doing the same thing. Definition of definition of madness. But if you, whatever it is you want to do, find someone who has done what you're trying to do. Find someone who is or has been where you are now because they are the best people. That's why I wanted to go into life coaching because very often people will not do something because they go, oh, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not, you know, my life isn't perfect. I can't talk about relationships. I'm still single. The number of uh, relationship coaches that I know who are still single. And you go, well, you can't be a relationship coach. You're single. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't, doesn't work like that at all. Now, if you're yeah. a fitness trainer, you have to be fit. You have to look as if you are you know, you have to be in good condition. You can't, it's a bit ironic that we go to doctors about our health 
when doctors very often are some of the unhealthiest people. They drink too much, they smoke, smoke too much, they don't address stress. You see a doctor yeah. who's overweight and you just go, well, that doesn't make sense. But if you are trying to lose weight, you find someone who has lost a lot of weight. If it's a friend, fine. If it is somebody impartial that you found on Facebook or, or whatever, or somebody has recommended, great. But if you know someone who has been where you are now and got through it, speak to them. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with the part about taking advice from people who've been there, done it, got the scars, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I find it very frustrating to get advice from people. Uh, again, on fitness, quite a lot as well, actually. Yeah. And, and nutrition and fitness, and I'm like, nah. No, I'm, I'm very, very sustainably healthy now and yeah. fit. I'm I'm not going to take breakfast advice <laughs> from you. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> According to the people who speak to me about veganism and nutrition, apparently I should be dead or very, very unwell by now, which is strange because last time I looked, I'm pretty fit as my Facebook profile picture will <laughs> testify. Yeah, keep that up for a while so people can find it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that up for a while. Anyone can. But yeah, it's just, people will give you advice and you go, well, hang on. You're telling me that if I do this, this is going to be the result when clearly you yeah, you've, you've got to find people who have been where you are and don't just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. Most of the people who give me nutritional advice, they struggle to walk. Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. Uh, I'm mindful of your time as well. So I should probably start wrapping up. Um, we can we, we carry on a bit longer. Okay. I don't mind. I literally don't mind delaying. Good. Well, sounds like you're on a good time then. Yeah. Well, uh, a general question. I've covered a lot of the areas I wanted to talk about, actually. And one thing I wanted to ask you about was, I mean, you've been through quite a lot of, of things. And part of this cl question is quite cliched in some ways mm -hmm. about looking at your former self, like what kind of advice would you give them? Or uh, any sort of interesting one, which is also sim similar you know, if if you, and this is a potentially depressing question, but a good reflective question, I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, this next bit, yeah. you know, you've got two children. Imagine you didn't have much time left on this planet and you knew that yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, and you knew. Like, what things would you be trying to impart to them? And it might not even be uh, things you say because, uh, you know, you'd lead by example potentially. But, yeah. yeah, so maybe advice to former self or advice to kids in in, in times of yeah, strife, let's just, say, anything uh, like that. Yeah, if I was going to be beamed back to my mother planet, you know, tomorrow, <laughs> what would I what would I say? To what my, is your mother planet? To my children. Or where is it, I should say? Yeah, oh, you understand. <laughs> it's a very, very long way away. It's, uh, yeah. it's just a planet. Of, far, far away. It's just yeah. a planet of <laughs> beautiful, intelligent people. Uh, it's me and Russell Brand, basically. <laughs> Make, making sweet sweet love um <laughs> with jordan jordan peterson critiquing in the background um <laughs> it's a beautiful place it's just the three of us um living off of quinoa i would say because it's it's reminded by a, a john lennon john lennon was just to put it in context john Les john lennon when he was at school was given a a question by the teacher the class were asked um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he just wrote happy. 
And the teacher said, I don't think you understand the, the question. And he said, no, I don't think you understand the answer. I love that. Because what I, I do say to my children, I don't I, I tend I, te I tend to give my children the advice when I when I have it rather than waiting until I'm on my on my deathbed. They probably mm. wouldn't hear me over the thousand other people screaming in the background. But <laughs> I say to them, find find what you love and do that. But whatever whatever you love doing, do that. So if your thing is yo-yo. You can make a living out of yo-yo, but you, you just have to be the best at that. And, so every, and every single successful musician will, will attest to that because, you know, the people that are the world leading guitar players, you know, Jimmy Page or whoever, you know, these people, they spent hours and hours and hours and hours at the detriment to social lives and everything else, just, just practicing and practicing and practicing because they wanted it that much because that's what they loved. Now, you might not be able to make a living out of doing the thing that you love, but the next best thing that you can do, which ties into a thing called talent stacking, but the next best thing that you can do is find a career that either utilises the thing that you love or gives you the time and money to be able to do the thing that you love on the side. So if you if you can find a job that you can tolerate, that makes you the money or whatever, that doesn't send you into spiraling depression, but it gives you the money and the ability and the time to do this thing that you love, ice skating, baseball, basketball, learning the guitar, singing in a choir, whatever, whatever that thing that fires you up that maybe you won't make a living from. If you can get this one thing that gives you the time and money to be able to do this other thing, then great. You, you won't mind doing your work because the reason you do that work is strong enough I do this job so that I can do this thing that I love. So you can either do the thing that you love and make a living from it. And you never really know if you're going to make a living from it or not. But I do my survival job so that when the opportunity to act comes up, I can do it. No guarantee I'm going to get an acting job that is going to. I did an, I did a thing a couple of years back, short film, absolutely loved it. The guy that was on that short film with me is now the vet in Emmerdale. But he's got a long-running regular role in Emmerdale. I'm driving a van. Could have very easily been the other way around. If they yeah. were casting an older character. Could have been easily the other way. But the reason I do my survival job, and it drives me mad sometimes, but I do it so that I can act. I do it so that I can do the life coaching. And then when the life coaching takes over and I can put that aside or if the, if, if, if the acting takes, over, I can put that aside. But that's the next that's the next plan. And then I will do the life coaching so I can still do the acting. And I will still do those two things because I like I love the acting and I love the life coaching. But for now, I do this one job that allows me to do the life coaching when I can do the acting when I can. But if you focus strongly on the thing that you love, you will either end up doing that for a living, happy days, or doing something else that enables you to do that. And then you've got these two things. Either way, it's a win-win situation. Find what you love and do that, or find something that helps you, enables you to do that. But just find what you love. People stop doing the things that they love because they have to be grown up. They, they're told you have to go to university, you have to get a degree, you have to do this, you don't have to do anything. You can do whatever the fuck you want. As I say to my kids, you can do anything you want, whatever you want to. And if other people 
feel a certain way about it. Mm. Acting's not a real job, or you could do this, or you should do that. That's 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 their boundaries. That's their rules, not yours. But fundamentally, find what you love to do. Do that. End of. Yep. Very good advice, I'd say. What do I love to do? Talk. <laughs> well, if you're listening to that, it, it, Adam just ate something, so <laughs> that, that makes no sense of why. So, yeah, I just for some reason, I had a spoonful of cereal that's beside me. But, <laughs> but no, that's, again, that's the thing. You will be told, this is something this is very important. We will be told as people that we shouldn't do certain things by other people very often the rules that we are set by other people are rules that those rules are set for that person by that person so when people say you can't do that very often when people tell me i can't do something my answer is no you can't you can't do that i can but we allow other people's rules to rule us i've got a friend who who is it's constantly embarrassed about her loud laugh when she laughs she laughs incredibly loudly but she's embarrassed about it because of how other people react to her laugh now i say to her time and time again fuck them like, like, i used to have a problem about the fact that i speak too much and i speak loudly mm-hmm. people would tell me that was oh, you speak really loud you speak a lot and then i look at people like brian blessed fuck me he's made a living out of speaking loudly and speaking a lot but again find the thing that you love People who love to talk can get paid to talk. Nobody at school told me that. Nobody at school told me, oh, you like to make believe and you like to make people laugh and you like to talk. You could be a comedian or an actor. That never came up at school. But if somebody said to me, what do you love doing? What is your passion? I like being the centre of attention. I like speaking. I like motivating and inspiring and making people laugh. If somebody said to me, you should go to theatre school, it would have been a completely different, complete. look at your strengths and what you love that utilises your strengths and fuck what anybody else thinks. If your friends do not support you and, and think that you're crazy, here's an idea, get new friends. Mm. Maybe get yeah. some other friends. Why I don't, I'm not friends with the people that I used to go to school with because we're completely different people now. People people change over time, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it goes back to you and your wife as well. You know, you're probably Mm. right for each other at some point, but you might have grown apart. And it's the same with friends, isn't it? It's that happens throughout your life and just to sort of hang on with it for it the sake of it it's just not good it does again that's somebody else's rules people go you can't you, you you have to stay together for the children that is an absolutely ridiculous idea because children are not stupid if, if children are growing up in, a, in an environment where mum and dad are no longer suitable for each other and if they're fighting all the time you staying together for the children is more damaging than you two deciding as grown-ups in a, in a, in a civilised fashion we are no longer what the other person needs and we are no longer making each other happy. Therefore, we should go our separate ways and come to an agreement with the children. Those children will grow up in an environment where mum and dad are arguing and just a number of people who don't. Children know when their parents aren't happy and all children want is to see their parents happy. And for me, the fundamental thing with marriage is, again, it was an, it's somebody else's rules, you know, till death us do part. 
Till death us do part does not mean until one of you dies. It can mean until the relationship reaches its natural ending. That's because you don't marry one person. You marry three. You marry the person you think they are, the person they actually are, and the person they become due to being married to you. So my ex-wife and I were exactly what we needed for each other at the time. Now, she helped me grow. I helped her grow, which is what you should do as as a married couple however we then got to the stage where we both needed different things she needed uh you know a man with a regular job working regular hours you know this that and the other i needed to grow as a person to find my meaning and sense of purpose and all i we both needed different things now, society rules says you stay together for the children once you get divorced and there's shame about divorce and all of these rules. But, and then when you realise that other people's rules are not your rules, you get this amazing sense of freedom when you stop caring what other people think. Easier said than done. It is. It's a very brave and crazy thing to do. But once once you realise that you cannot make other people, you don't live by other people's rules, you cannot make other people feel a certain way. None of us have the power to make other people do anything. When people say, oh, you made me angry. No, no, you chose to be angry about something that I said that's probably close to the truth. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. Well... I think uh, we sh- we need to wrap up s- soon. So uh, I want to plug some things that you're doing as well, because um, you're up to a lot of things. Do you still do any um, like comedy nights and and all that kind of stuff? I took the conscious decision because of the pandemic. There are there are too many comedians out there that do it for a living. That I was simply taking up space because for me it was more of a paid. Uh, hobby so i took the conscious decision over the pandemic to no longer do the comedy very difficult decision to do however it 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 was something that i needed to give up to enable me to focus more on the next step so yeah short short answer no i'm not unfortunately that's all right yeah well um you got plenty going on i think you've got a prioritize haven't you sometimes yeah yeah so just, just because you wanted... can do every just because you can do everything doesn't mean you should do everything yeah no no uh, i struggle to learn that lesson so mm. anyway enough about me so if people wanted to get in contact with you or find out more about your mm. your, your coaching business and all of that what, what would they what should they do uh i have my website absolutioncoaching.com where people can get in touch there and i can be found on instagram either at adam making it happen with one m so that adam making it happen flows or absolution coaching those are the two i can be found i can be found on facebook as well but that's more the personal facebook so you get the raw you get the raw me there that's the unfiltered, <laughs> but the unfiltered version's uh, pretty the, funny a lot of the time. So the unfiltered like <laughs> version. Well, my my whole thing, a big part of me is just be your authentic self. So I cannot 
uh, I cannot not practice what I preach. So I post what I want to post and say what I want to say. And that's so, yeah. So Adam Broomfield Strawn on Facebook, absolutioncoaching.com is the website or Adam making it happen or absolution coaching on Instagram. Very easy to find. Yes, you are. You're actually the easiest person I've had to research. So <laughs> thank you for that. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today and it's been a real pleasure. So uh, thanks for, thanks again. for having me. Yeah, no, I really, I know there's another little thing you're working on. So <laughs> yeah. All right. Keep me uh, posted. Thank- Cheers. No worries. Speak to you soon, my friend. Thank you for listening to Tipping Points. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, subscribe, like, and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast player. Doing this really helps us to keep providing free content to you. If you want to find out more, get more episodes and exclusive content, please head over to tippingpointspodcast.com. If you've got some insights today, like the way I ask questions and want to take your journey to another level, then Mindful Productivity Coaching is for you. At Mindful Productivity, we take a holistic approach to make you happier, healthier, and more productive. Our coaching program is tailored to your needs so you get what you want from it. Find out more at mindfulproductivity.net forward slash coaching and book your free discovery call today. That's mindfulproductivity.net forward slash coaching for your free discovery call.